And we're back live again, another hockey podcast. I think as the playoffs go on, we might be doing these more often, at least as the Flyers are in it. I think we're going to be doing more. So if at some point, if the Flyers were to get eliminated, maybe we go back to just a one-week kind of thing. But at the moment, we just kind of uh, are doing these uh, seemingly like twice a week now, just because of playoffs and everything. And if you wait a week, especially playoff-wise, there's a lot of stuff you just kind of miss. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, and unfortunately, like, it just adds on, you know? Yeah. And then you just have to go back saying, okay, is this still relevant and important and everything? Exactly. Um, Th- that's why we got to, you know, uh, you, you guys might be seeing more and more of these podcasts come out. You're also probably going to see, you're going to see more of this because uh, since we split up the, we're splitting up the podcasts, which again, we're mm-hmm. working on that to get. Still these, in the progress. Yeah. Process. Uh, process of doing that. We already have the two different youtube pages so i think you're going to see more uh hockey content coming up now but on the mike and mitch currently mike and mitch youtube page not the Wimmer quake yeah youtube page because those will eventually change names obviously for when they actually become what they're supposed to be but yeah uh those are where you can find those and more, most re- recently is uh our last talk on the flyers and just kind of our thoughts of how they can bounce back, uh, bandwagon fans and stuff. So if you want to check that out, that's on the Mike and Mitch uh, uh, podcast you can, YouTube page. So uh, that is there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we actually got a decent amount to talk about today. Uh, yes, we after do. Going, after we were on a couple of days ago, uh, believe it or not. Uh, some surprises, actually. Um, yeah, and we'll definitely get down and talk about each surprises. I know we were just talking about it. Not a whole lot, though, prior to the podcast, but – we're gonna at some point today uh, talk about uh, you know our surprises, uh, not only in the playoffs but right now in round one. There's a lot of series that are going one way, which is hard to believe. But uh, we'll talk that uh, about that a little later. But first, as we usually start these podcasts off, if you're new here, we usually start these as during the season at least do these stat heads that Jeff will read yes. off. Um, so Jeff, what's the stat head from yesterday's games? So, Stathead, uh, we got uh, some points across the board here, fellas. Uh, we got Joe Pavelski leading the way with the hat trick for the Dallas Stars. I'm not surprised. Joe Pavelski, um, he's a it great player. His first hat trick in the playoffs. His first career. Ever? Hat- yeah, ever. Are you serious? First that that seems hat-trick. so hard to believe. That yeah. seems so hard to believe. He's such a great and clutch playoff performer. I feel like that's almost not possible, but hey. You know, um, it happened for the first time. So, hey, good for him, though. Uh, I'm surprised it took him this long, honestly. But so he he had a heck of a game, uh, 22 and a half minutes, and the Stars overtime win. And uh, and he had a huge part of that, putting up a hattie. Uh, Sam Bennett, he did his fair share of keeping the Flames in that game, putting up three points as well, two goals and an assist. Uh, John Klingberg, while we're sticking with uh, the Dallas-Calgary series, he put up three assists. He originally had the game-winning goal before they changed it um, to, Rajwan. I want to say it was um, Alexander Alexander Radulov now is the game-winning yeah. goal in overtime. Uh, official scoring change. We got a notification. Elias Pedersen put up two points, a goal and assist. Anders Lee. A goal along with Radulov, as mentioned, the game winner. And Braden Shen, also the game-winning goal in uh, St. Louis's overtime win against the Vancouver Canucks. I keep forgetting he's still a person. Yeah. <laughs> he, he had a, an angry moment on the bench last night. 
Um, he pulled a, a TK and slammed his stick. He 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 attempted to slam his stick a few times, but he he broke it into a couple pieces eventually. So I'm not. He wasn't happy. I think I'm not I know. That surprised about that. Brandon no, Shen, I, I think me, I know the exact when he was moment. when. Shen was on the flyers. He was before the TK. I know TK has a little more of those outbursts kind of yeah. things, but Shen had his fair share of uh, anger, angry moments, those moments, kind yeah. of things. So frustrating moments as well. And yeah. and one of the I think that and again I know the exact moment that um, you know he was frustrated. Uh, it was in overtime. He he had uh, completely fanned on a, a pretty good scoring chance in overtime prior to his game winner, of course, where. He had a chance, I think it was on the power play at, um, you know, a, a one-timer, and he completely fanned on it. So I'm assuming that's the frustrating moment he was having. Um, now over to the goalies, Corey Crawford, 48 saves, 0.980 save percentage, allowing one goal, again, four, uh, 48 saves, 49 shots. Uh, heck of a game from Crawford there in their 3-1 to win against Vegas, staying alive. Enforcing uh, a game five, uh, Carter Hart the twenty three safe shutout. Again, we are going to definitely break down the Flyers one nothing game three victory over the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, a great game from Hart. Off your Flyer goaltender to record a shutout in the playoffs. Yes. There you go. And Jake Allen, and uh, we're going to talk about him and Jordan Bennington a lot. Uh, Jake Allen was the starter in the Blues uh, game yesterday against the Canucks. Uh, last night, he only allowed two goals in the 3-2 to two overtime win. 39 saves on uh, 41 shots, 0.951 save percentage. Uh, Brian uh, Penho uh, made his playoff debut at 25 years old. He was a minus one, zero shots on goal, eight minutes and 11 seconds of ice time for the Caps in their overtime loss as well. Uh, three overtime games out of five total games throughout the day yesterday. A lot of great action here. Um, I'm going to start with the two Flyers. Of the could have easily gone to overtime, too. Absolutely. Uh, I think all of them really had potential. The Philly-Montreal game, that was uh, most potential. Realistically, it was only a one nothing game. In Vegas, Vegas and Chicago, too. Yeah, they're, they're all very tight games. Three to one. Chicago won. Three to print. one, right. The bring uh, one of them uh, in my uh, I'm guessing I don't know I, I, I'd assume one was an empty netter it yeah was. um the brinkets Kajula Highmore and Debrinket were all the goal scorers for the uh, Blackhawks and Shea Theodore his fourth of the postseason uh the lone goal scorer for the Golden Knights Jake Voracek as I mentioned for the Flyers his uh the only goal of the game was the game winner no empty net as it was one nothing Flyers victory they are up two one Vegas is up three one. As uh, Chicago survived, uh, the St. Louis Blues, they are back in the series. They're now down 2-1 to one instead of 3-0. Um, Elias Pettersson had a sick goal against Jake Allen, and JT Miller had the other goal for the Canucks. Justin Falk, um, a uh, goal his first in the playoffs for the Blues. David Perron and Braden Chan, of course, the game winner there. The other guys uh, who scored. The Islanders, they are up 3-0 in their series against the Washington Capitals. Matthew Barzell, another incredible burst of speed and, and um, uh, just another phenomenal goal in, in proving why he's such a, a great and honestly almost an underrated player 
because that's what happens people, when you play on the Islanders. So. Yes, not only that, but people don't understand how lethal he actually is. So uh, he, at me, some he's point, playing in the wrong system, he really is. And, and uh, I mean, and again, we, we can definitely talk about this later at some point when we're whenever we talk more about the Islanders series against Caps. But um, he is he's something else. Uh, getting what's his he, even more heartbreaking in that uh, yeah. Islanders lost, at least if you're uh, Jacob Rana, uh, he yeah. had a, uh, a breakaway shortly before uh, yeah. the game winner. And also, it, yeah. um, uh, what's his face? Barzell made uh, John Carlson look. Um, oh my gosh! Yeah, he, he he made him look like just a, had a, a rookie moment there. And again, it's uh, again. Great, I'm great not even goal. the. I'm, I'd say I'm not that surprised because to me, I think John Carlson's kind of overrated. Um, he's more of an offensive defenseman than an actual defensive defenseman. He's still good. He's up for the Norris Trophy again because of his points. It's because of his points, typically. Um, and that's one thing I really don't like about how the way the NHL hands out these awards and these name these finalists. That's most of the time, that's why Couturier is never a finalist, or at least exactly. never really a finalist. For most of the time, it's based off of points. Um, of course, you know the heart and the um, you know which they should just change. At least right. the defensive one you can't really change, but the um, Selkie. Or whatever that should just be changed. That should be two all way. defensive stats. It should be yeah. two way forward. Change the name of it, not defensive forward. Because if it's defensive stats, don't matter. If it's not, yeah. then it's two way. Yeah, they they really do need to do that. Um, so there's that. Uh, as I mentioned, if getting Kuznetsov had the lone goal for the Caps in, in the loss there, and finally Dallas topping Calgary, as I mentioned. It was originally John Klingberg who had the game-winning goal, but it turned out it was uh, deflected did. off yep. of Alexander Radulov. Um, Pavelski had the hat-trick. Uh, Denny uh, Garyanov had his second of the playoffs, and, of course, Radulov had the game-winner. Johnny Hockey, Sam Bennett, who put up two, and Tobias Ryder uh, all scored. Reader, excuse me. And uh, so there, those are your goal scorers there. So, again – to really recap all the playoff series, uh, it's a um, the series is tied 2-2 between Calgary and Dallas. 2-1 to one, Vancouver leads. Colorado is up 2-1. to one. Vegas is up 3-1 to one with a chance to uh, close out their series tomorrow at 1 p.m. Tampa Bay is up 2-1. Islanders have a chance to sweep the Capitals tomorrow. If the, if the Capitals win, my ball prediction is correct. Yes. So he said no sweep. So we'll mm-hmm. see. Boston is up two to one on Carolina, and Philadelphia, of course, is up two to one on Montreal. Yeah. So those are your scores. Those are your updates. That's your stat head of the day. Um, I think for Mike, this podcast yeah. in particular, because again, there's so much to really go over in these podcasts that we're only going to highlight a couple of these series. The yes. series I want to highlight. Obviously, we're going to get to Vancouver and uh, St. Louis. But another one I want to highlight, as obviously the Islanders and uh, uh, Capital Series, and also the uh, Stars Flames. Yes, no. So uh, all, all phenomenal series. Uh, I don't know which one you want to talk about and kind of break down first. Um, let's do that uh, series that's tied at least. All right. So Dallas and Calgary. Yeah. 
because that series is yeah. very much like the Oilers and Blackhawks playing series where it seems like there's not very high scoring. There's no defense. defense really going on, um, which is a really completely different way the stars are playing from the years past of Ken Hitchcock and Jim Montgomery before he was uh, yeah. uh, let go earlier the season. Right. Um, but because both those were the stars were defensive oriented before, if you're not, if anyone doesn't really remember or right. doesn't really pay atten- that much attention to the stars and since this firing, the stars have become a little more offensive minded. Yeah. And they even in the game, because that uh, game last or I guess yesterday afternoon was the only game I really saw of those two of that series. Um, and it seems to me, because I thought the Flyers defensemen pitching a lot, but Mira Heiskanen, every time, any chance he got, he was pinching in. Yeah. And I think the reason he does that is because he knows he's fast enough where he can legitimately always, actually forget, get back in the I rush. I always forget this until he watches the Stars games, but they have some giant uh, guys on their back end. They do. They, they, John Klingberg, I know, is a very That's big guy. That's the one thing guy. that does help Heiskanen is he has – for his size, he has decent speed. So if he gets caught, he can. He's easily, very good speed. He can yeah. easily glide back and uh, uh, hopefully do good uh, back checking. Uh, yeah, and, and again, it, it's that back checking aspect that you really got to be careful of. Mm-hmm. Or, or sorry, especially when you're playing the flames. The, the and the flames really, the flames lost it because they just got very sloppy. Yes, um, and I know they're a very chippy kind of right get-in-your-face kind of team. Well, and one thing that doesn't help is they didn't have uh, Matthew Kachuk, if I'm not mistaken. He didn't. They did not, but I don't mind that at all because I'm not a big Kachuk fan. So. I know you're not. You're not a fan of any of the Kachuks. No, I think they're all assholes. And they are. <laughs> they're, known, they're literally known assholes. So. Yeah. I, I don't know why. I've, I think it's, it's mainly because I loved and appreciated Keith Kachuk so much that I kind of not force myself, but I kind of loved it in his game I so much that I, like, I appreciated his how his sons play. I'll and say like, this: Yeah, I like Matthew Kachuk more than Brady Kachuk. I think Brady that I agree a with. Asshole. That I agree with. Uh, but the other thing is, is also he also a has big a more punchable face. I will say that <laughs> they're awful. But the other thing I was going to say, but is, that's I the, think the, also the reason I my, don't mind point. them as much because they're on teams I. Like to watch play slash don't dislike. I like Calgary. Ottawa is Ottawa. I don't mind them. I don't have any beef with them. So it's it's whatever to me. (laughs) Go back to that brawl. Well, that was back in the day. Yeah. All right. Anyway, back to what we were talking about about the series. The Flames really the the Flames let the Stars come back into it, and once they get they had five or six consecutive penalties in the in a row from like the end of the second to the third period. Mm. And yeah, the, uh, in those power plays, the Stars never scored. And even on uh, one of the shorthanded goals, that was when the Chums Reader goal uh, was scored as shorthanded. But you can't keep doing that. And because of no. that, I think they got tired near the end and Dallas found their feet going and they were able to capitalize. Right. Because before... Uh, Corey Perry had a goal, and it was very easily goal interference. So that was called back. Corey Perry. Yeah, no, that that was uh, a clear interference. Yeah, Corey Perry didn't agree with that, even though it was very clearly goal interference. Yeah. Um, which 
for the stars sake thankfully they were ha- they had Joel Pavelski uh tie it yeah. uh right near the like dying seconds like, of the third period six or nine seconds left in the Which, game I, I don't it happens a good amount but I feel like this playoffs has happened at least in the west it's, it's happened, happened a lot, a lot. more so than qualifiers like, the one more exciting one I think was the uh Predators Coyotes one because it was for the series and the the Predators tied it like I think even less time left than the stars did uh, yesterday. I think it, you know what it was. I think the stars was like sixteen seconds left, and the uh, Ki- or uh, Predators against Coyotes was like nine seconds left. Yeah, something left. like that. And then the Coyotes were able to prevail in overtime, um, and then the stars as well. Yeah. But again, you can't for the stars team because yeah, if there was any team, I think the Flames could beat. It's probably the stars team. Out of the teams they could have played, and maybe yeah. with the struggling Bennington, it's... they may have had a good chance with those Blues, but I think their defensive-oriented system may have—it would have just yeah. been a lot of back and forth, stealing each other out, kind of clogging up the neutral zone, kind of thing. Almost kind um, of like how the the Philadelphia and, Montreal series is going with, yeah, like, it could have been very like, defensive. It's very, yeah, a little dry. It almost seems like mm-hmm. just it's because gonna, of how this system. It's not going to gain any. Let's just say it's not going to gain any fans if that was the series. But the no. stars were able to kind of get past it, and the surprise of it all is fucking Milan Lucic just playing on a high line, and that <laughs> line actually did well. He actually got an assist. Yeah. Um, I will say this though about the series. Again, it's been a very every game. It's forth. been, and I think even we were talking about it too. If the Flames should move on from uh, Cam Talbot, I think, um, for Riddich. I'm a little surprised Riddich hasn't started yet. I think. He would look better. Um, again, Maybe, it's only two, I'm not, two I'm not so I, I don't know. I don't think Cantel look terrible. No, he um, he looked it's, better it's than very, some past It's a very games. confusing series because you would have thought going into the series, the two goalies starting would have been Ben Bishop and Riddich. Yeah. It's been mostly Hudobin, I think. Yeah, it's supposed, the first game, I think it's because Ben Bishop was unfit to play, but I think. Uh, Ben Bishop didn't play particularly well in the game yeah. he played, and then they just went back to uh, yeah. ben, uh, Kudobin. So the this series so far, each game has been a one-goal game except for game three. It's 3-2 Calgary, 5-4 Dallas, 2-0 Calgary, 5-4 Dallas again. So again, it's games two and four is the exact same score and result, just one of them not being in overtime, I believe, in game two. But again, it's been very... Yeah, because game two, there's the yeah. uh, Dallas had it again. This is the second time the series. I just realized they scored in the dying seconds of the third period. That the yeah. game two is the one where they won. Calgary, they had the lead. You know, Calgary they came won, back and then they scored like shortly, like yeah, they won like, with thirty seconds, seconds left in the game. Yeah. That's right. It was Alexiak. Yeah, that's what it was. But again, this is going to be one of those interesting series. Absolutely. It's probably going to go down to uh, seven games, as Jeff uh, might correctly predict it. Because yep, I, I do have easily seen these next seven. Two, I could easily see these next two games being split. Yeah, no, absolutely. I would be surprised. Teams, it's like, yeah, you could probably switch to Riddich, but I don't think Cam Talbot's played terribly. Um, he hasn't same played terrible. I don't, he hasn't played great. Yeah, it's just for, for me, for the Flames' sake, they got to stop taking the penalties. Yes, no, that, that's a big one. Yeah, that was their problem there. Right. My point is for, for Cam Talbot is 
again, he doesn't look great, but he doesn't look terrible, like Mike has said. But the only points I'm shaky on him is he's letting a couple soft goals, and I'm talking very, very soft that you can't afford to give up, especially yeah. during the playoffs. Cam Talbot, I think he's a pretty talented guy. Um, remember when he was in, with New York Rangers, uh, he was phenomenal. And uh, after he took over the reins for Henrik Lundqvist, who had that weird uh, throat injury or um, something like that. And I, it really, you know, ever since then, he hasn't been the same guy, but he's been up I, and down. He's he, never he, really like, has he hasn't never, really been that consistent. He's just kind of been. He didn't play really much at all in Philadelphia. Uh, he got maybe two games at yeah, most. Two games. Again, he, and looked, then, he looked about average. He didn't look terrible. He didn't yeah. look great. And then he uh, went to that, Calgary, and ever since then, he's been all right. It's also kind of for Carter Hart's sake, too, because, oh, look, it's Cam Talbot. His yeah. mentor, kind of. Yeah. Even though right now he's playing his uh, the guy he idolized in uh, Carey Price. <laughs> And it kind of yeah, makes yeah. this game off of if, but if you're see, watching the series, like, yeah, they pretty you much see play a the lot same. Similarities. Yeah, a lot of similarities. It's pretty scary how, how similar they play. Uh, and again, we'll we'll talk about the goaltending difference between Carey um, Price. I want to see if the Carter Blue Hart series. Later. I want to see if the Blue series lasts because I feel like you have a good amount. To I do. Talk I, about I have a good amount of, uh, um, to talk about for that. But let's go series. to the game that could very easily be another upset, but um, maybe potentially the first sweep. Yep. Of the playoff or actual playoffs. Um, yeah. The Islanders, their uh, chokehold on the Capitals. And for the Capitals, yeah, they have a say, 3 nothing series lead. And so your point leaders are Brock Nelson, who's six points with the Islanders, four for John Carlson. Um, Brock Nelson leading it with three goals and three assists. Ryan Pulak is four assists. Uh, Oshi has three goals for the Caps. And um, yeah. Yesterday's game was the only close game every other game it's been the islanders 4-2 game one 5-2 game two and, and then this one was over time overtime, two to one yeah um, again, i think the big loss obviously it came in game one and he still hasn't played yeah. yet um is backstrom, uh, backstrom. even though i yeah, don't so think he's he's not the same and i don't think he's the as good as people have claimed him to be but mm -hmm. he's still a very key part of the capitals and with him going down it's similar to uh, Shifley going down for yeah. the Winnipeg Jets. Yes. Uh, and a, that was uh, a huge, in. huge loss. Yeah, like they, you can maybe steal a game here like the Jets did for the Capitals because you still have, um, you know, Oshie. Alexander Ovechkin. Ovechkin, you have Jacob Verana, you have Lars Eller. Uh, John Carlson, who everyone seems to be very high on. Yeah, uh, Dimitri Olav. Um, you have all these pieces. And you finally had a game where Holpe actually looked – he looked okay. like he was keeping Good. them in, in, yeah. But the, the, for some reason, a team that I thought had a good amount of offensive players still, they they're got, not putting up any offense. I have to look at the stats because I was very surprised with how that. Uh, so I'm looking at caps wise here. Hold on, because no earlier in the game, I remember seeing like. Yeah, the the Islanders, the Islanders, who's a very defensive oriented team, mm -hmm. outshot the Capitals thirty four to twenty three. Yeah, eleven. Was that uh, that was yesterday's game? Correct. Yes. And the Capitals did. They've been very similar. Uh, game two was thirty two twenty five Islanders. Mm -hmm. 
uh, in game one was – And maybe sorry, this is where it would help the Capitals more. And I think the Islanders, at least last night, okay. it seemed they did well in, as that. Yeah, game um, one was much more closer in shots. The Islanders had 27 to the Caps, 26. But the thing is, the Caps haven't gotten 30-plus shots in a game yet. How many power plays did they have in that game? In game one? Uh, for the Islanders, for the Capitals, Caps. Um, it is. That's obviously. Was, that's obviously their strong. They had team. ready for this. Mm-hmm. They had seven power plays. They were two for seven. Okay. That's not great, but they still capitalized. Like in the game last night, for, they went one for two in the power plays. So the Islanders right. made sure not to take any dumb penalties because. The strong okay, so for the Capitals is that power play. They had two power plays in game two. They're 0 for 2. So 2 for 9 through two power plays. Um, sorry, two uh, in the first two games. Three for and they went, they went 1, one for, two. for 2. So they, they're 3 for 11 in the series. It's not great, but also you do have to commend the defensive oriented islanders and that they have a pretty good uh pk but you also have it's the capitals and obviously i think most of their focus when they're on the power plays is not having uh letting Ovi get that opportunity to take his uh slapper there's one timers that he likes to shoot at um and he is almost I think he scored a couple times when, like game two. Yeah, he scored uh, two goals. I think it was in in one of the games. It was um, game two, one or two, he scored two goals. By the way, if you think the Flyers have a bad power play, the Islanders have the worst power play, one for 15 in the series. Yeah, I think they went. They uh, got five power plays. Scoreless against the Panthers, too. They went 0 for 5 in game 3, 0 for 5 in game 1. They're 1 for 5 in game 2. So if the Islanders really want to get um, do well, obviously they're doing well, but the fact that it's pretty – a little scary, the fact that they're 1 for 15 on the power play, and yet they're up 3 Again. nothing. Again, it's not the best Caps team we're seeing, well, it's but that, and also it's, it's just the way to... they're playing defensively. Well, that and also you have to – Look at the Islanders team. Yeah, they added Pajot and they have Barzell, but mm-hmm. what other real offensive guys are there? Well, Jordan Everly, Josh Bailey. Um, really offensive guys? I always kind of thought they were like two-way guys. You can argue that. I've always pictured Bailey as an offensive guy. So that's just me personally. He put up four. He put up forty-three points, fourteen goals, twenty-three assists this year. Yeah. Josh Bailey, uh, the captain. Okay, he put up twenty, forty-three points, twenty goals, twenty-three assists. Um, Eberle, forty points, sixteen goals, twenty-four assists. Yeah, again, that the you see the goal numbers aren't really high up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there we go. Brock Nelson, uh, 54 points, 26 goals, 28 assists. Uh, did I look at Ladd? I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, Ladd, oh, yeah, played four games. Yeah. 
there was that rumor just, then the that uh, late in the season before the pause that they were trying to trade Andrew Ladd for Zach Greasy. That deal fell through. Interesting, Jeff. After, what do you think the highest amount of goals Matt Barzell has scored in a season? I have a feeling that it's a lot lower than it's it really should be. You would expect 25 goals, maybe even 32. I'm guessing 15. Uh, 22. Okay, He's yeah. So, so again, rookie that, year. That, that's a little surprising. I'm not going to lie for Matt Barzell. Again, this year it was 19, 18, 19, it was 18. Is this what, his third, fourth year? Third year. This is his third year? He played two games in 2016-17, but yeah. Okay, so I don't really... 17-18, he played 82. Last year, 82. This year, 68. Oh, was, oh, so 17-18 was his rookie year then? Yeah. Okay, all right. That Wow. That but he's seems... put up a good amount of assists because he's put up 41 this year, 44 yeah. last year, 63, 17-18. Yeah. Yeah, no, he, he's definitely a playmaker, but he can snipe too. He, he's... Mm. He's one of those all-around complete players who can – I think he definitely needs to work on his defensive game a little bit yeah. more. He he needs to – he has the opportunity to be able to back check well because of his speed, of course, but um, he's a great player. And a little bit I saw the most, amount of, the most amount of goals this goal someone scored was Eberle, who had 26. And if you combined Peugeot's goals from his time in Ottawa to the two he had with the Islanders, um, he also had 26 goals, so those were really their own. And Barzell, obviously, have to keep an eye on. But yeah, goal scoring, sniping wise, those seem to be it, and that's why I can maybe see it because maybe they're like the Flyers, maybe be a little too passive on their power play. And I think they are. I I, I really got to take a look. Uh, their also, next I game. can never. Tr- I it's also it's I can never trust Lou Lamorello, but that's just me. No, I I don't unfortunately. Um, I, I really got to watch game four to see, and they probably will get power plays. The fact that the Caps are handing them power plays up and right, 15 through three games, but luckily their penalty kill for the Caps is absolutely dominating. Playing Oliver Wallstrom? Again, there, there's some surprising factors. There's that. Uh, they're probably not playing Noah Dobson, if I'm not mistaken. Um, there's some young guys that the Islanders have that I'm not should sure he's, be on this team that on aren't cap, playing. On the cap friendly page, it uh, shows him there, but I want to look at uh... – uh, Again, I think they're, they're probably – he's on the team kind of like how Morgan Frost is for the Flyers, but he's just not playing. I'm looking at the daily face. I'll just see what they're okay. – Yeah, uh, again, for Oliver Wolstrom and Noah Dobson, they deserve – But that's deserve... also just Lou Lamorello because for some reason he's going to play cases of these guys and Matt Martin and that, those aging assholes. Yeah, I don't mind Zekas as much. It's Martin. I think is a waste of a roster space, in my personal opinion. Yeah, uh, he just playing. gets penalties. He's not an effective player. He gets penalties and he turns the puck over. He's so, not that great at all. Oh, okay. Never mind. I thought when I looked at it real quick, I thought their second power play unit had Barzell on it. That's a big problem. But the pairings from, I guess, yesterday's game was uh, Adam Pellick, Ryan Pollock, Devin Tays, Scott Mayfield, and the third pair of Nick Letty and Andy Green. Why isn't Noah Dobson playing? Why don't you trust your young player, Lou? Young players. I think a big part of that is Lou Lamorello. That's just what I think. Um, I don't know why he's still there. 
I think he needs to go. Uh, I think his time in hockey should be over. Again, he he's done some great work in the past, but if you're preventing uh, – again, this is like, the honestly, the Ron Hextel situation all over again. You have great young talent, but you just refuse to play them and call them up and everything. You know, obviously Barry Trotz could actually put them in and pencil them in the lineup as well, but – and I maybe like Barry Trotz can change his system a bit if you had some of these younger guys up so you don't have to be so defensive-oriented. Exactly. I maybe think by doing that, so... some of these guys' stats would actually be higher. Maybe uh, Barzell would be in the 25s, maybe 30 goals a year. What, what I think it is, Mike, is I really think it's more so Lou Morello kind of still playing that role of I think besides Lou Mar- Gamma is head well, coach. Well, Lou but... also is an old hockey sense. So he's going right, to look. Exactly. He sees his four lines as the older kind of way. Grinder. You so know, their fourth line is going to yeah. be the Matt Martin kind of annoy you kind of yeah. line. That's It's not going to exactly. be what the fourth line it has. Does, kind it of, doesn't work in today's yeah. game. Today's game is all about speed, puck moving, or puck movement. Oh, yeah. Um, let's also not forget that boy chucks are for them too. So no yeah, doubt. That really hurts. Good. No, Dobson so, couldn't even come in when Johnny put uh, Borchuk yeah. got hurt. So there's that. Um, How many games did he even play in this year, Noah Dobson? <laughs> Probably not many. Again, he played in 34 games. That surprises me. Seven points a goal. That surprises me that he's only he played 34. I would have guessed maybe 10 to 15 because I feel like they don't trust him enough. I don't know why. He's I mean, a heck of a young talent 20, for the Islanders. Yeah, he's Actually, 20 years no, old. No, 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 no. You're giving him too much praise for saying it's a hack stall. It's a hack stall. This is a hack stall. Why have no adopted not yeah. play hockey when he's only 20? Right. When they're this young and you should have him play. Yeah, no, you know what? That, that's, I, I retract my previous statement. That's a great point. It's a hack stall moment, not a hack stall. I, I was saying it's a Ron hack stall moment because. Yeah, I know what you're saying there. But yeah, you really but no, it, it's the way you're saying it now. It makes more sense to say it's a Dave hack stall issue. That's not helping his development by having him sit. No, it, and it's not. And again, because my biggest worry is they're, I don't know if they're, they don't trust him or if they're trying to be too patient with him. Uh, but if you want Noah Dobson to be that top four defenseman that I truly think he will be in the NHL, specifically for the New York Islanders, you need to play him. He's a, a great young guy, um, tremendous player. He's going to be a star defenseman. But in order for him to have to show his in, his potential and grow even more, you need to play him. There's no have- reason a first round pick at 20 years old, is not playing that much. Mm-hmm. I expect him to play a, at least a minimum, a minimum of 50 games next year. If not, something needs to change. Something really does because Noah Dobson and Oliver Wallstrom should be in your lineup next year. They are going to be part of that huge core for the Islanders. It's a top four role for Noah Dobson. It's a top six roster spot for Oliver Wallstrom next year. If that is not happening – the Islanders need to change. Someone needs to go. Also, more specifically, more year. specifically, Lou Lamorello needs to go because he's preve- probably preventing these guys. Because I think he, he, the the reason I'm saying he's preventing these guys, even though Barry Trotz, of course, has the final say. He's the head coach. For whatever reason, it seems like Lou Lamorello is really the one pulling the reins here and saying to Trotsy, "Hey, I don't trust these guys enough in their development yet. I don't want them to play." I don't know why that is, 
that he seems to have all the higher power here right now over Trotz for some reason, even though Trotz is a head coach. Lamorello needs to do the smart thing and actually have these guys play. Yeah. If not, I'm giving Lamor- Lamorello the axe. The guy they drafted last year in the draft, Simon uh, Holmstrom, is also there too. Yeah. I don't know much about him. I don't know. But... I don't know much about him either. But they drafted him twenty third overall last year, so that's another younger player. <laughs> that, that's right. I forgot the Islanders went to the second round last year. No wonder why they drafted silly. Again, it's not that it doesn't work because clearly they're um, they're um, they're on a stranglehold of the Capitals, so it works. Yeah. The older system kind of works, but just because Barry one Barry Trotz coached the Capitals. And, and again, and I think that's he such knows, he knows how to shut he knows how to shut down Ovechkin, which he almost has done successfully. Yeah, he scored twice, yeah. but every other series, every other game, it seems game one didn't look great, and the bits I saw of game in the most recent game, he still don't look great. He put up two uh, goals Ovechkin. in game two, but other than that, he didn't do a whole lot. No. Um, the other thing I will say though is my personal last uh, comments on this series before I want to move to Vancouver and uh, St. Louis is about Barry Trotz. He's such a great coach. And again, obviously, you know, the fact that he is, or he was a former coach of the Washington Capitals, which is probably the worst move they've done in quite some time of letting him go after they won the Stanley Cup. Or Todd this is biting and, them in the, this is biting them um, and, and it's hurting them uh, yeah. big time because. It's Reardon's last year. Oh yeah. Kevin's gone. Kevin's gone. Yeah. Kevin Reardon is gone. We talked. We talked last time for the Flyers' sake. At least uh, Dave Haxall and Craig Ruby a bit too. But yeah. them struggling to uh, deal with adversaries and uh, Todd doesn't seem like another guy to me that can. Do Todd it. slash, as we prefer to call him, Kevin. Yeah. Um, he looks like Kevin from The Office. Kevin Mullen from The Office. Yes. <laughs> if no one understands the reference we're making, that's why. Yeah. Anyway, so Todd Reardon though. He is – he's not doing a good job at all. No. He needs to get the yeah, X, just like Lou Lamorella for the Islanders. Yeah, um, the Capitals won the the Metro at the pause, but – You do. It, I, I, it I was, could care less. It came really close. The, no, the, it did. And, and, again, the way that the Caps are playing and the way he's coaching that team. Again, most of these we're going to come oh. back to when they do deep dives and – Again, when oh, yeah. we do another prediction. Oh, yeah. Because, again. I think our next predictions, truthfully speaking, for next season may be, like, bolder predictions. By bolder, I mean the teams you're used to seeing, you, we may have lower than. Flip-flopping. Maybe. Yeah. For example, the Islanders higher than the Capitals, for example. No, I was just saying, like, the Capitals, the Bruins, the Penguins, you may see us maybe changing it a bit. Well, again, like, it, like I said just now, yeah. it's. I might have the Islanders next year higher than the Caps in the standings. Maybe. I don't know. I, I don't know. It, it's really tough to say because the Metro is pretty tough, let's be honest. Right. No, because... that I agree with, and it's going to get tougher. Um, again, it all depends on how the offseason goes for each team, and again, we'll do that. Well, it also depends diet. on the Capitals and if they're, they sign back Hopi or not. Right, and, and that's a big if. Um, I know they got Grice Samsonov. A, I know Thomas they got Grice is also UFA as well. So yeah, and, and again, we'll we'll get into all the contracts and everything when we do deep dives. Well, this is going to be tough because, and you know, obviously we'll have to talk about it at some point, Mike, on when we want to start doing the deep dives. I don't know if it will be 
right when we see teams start getting eliminated or we'll just wait till the playoffs to officially end. Uh, th- that's something we'll just have to discuss. It might just, just to, be when the playoffs end because the playoffs are ending what, in like September, I think. Right, not only that. Or maybe, um, no, I'm sorry, early October is when season October, starts. October, yeah, no. And the next season won't start until like late December. Yeah, because again, uh, January, there's so. probably too much hockey to go on to really do a good deep dive like we're planning especially on. when you get further into the playoffs maybe exactly maybe if you talk stanley cup like when we're around the stanley cup finals maybe we can throw in a couple or at least there. at least the conference finals we could uh, throw in because a at least yeah at least then there's a little less to talk about there's still a lot to talk about playoff wise but there's probably yeah. not going to be so much spent on it yeah um exactly. but let's quickly go before we talk flyers uh, yes. for the rest of it let's talk that other series we want to talk about Oh, actually, yes. there's two things left. Not oh. um, but first, let's talk about that Blues. And the one of the biggest surprises to me, almost as surprising as the Canadians doing, as well as they've done in the playoffs, is the Vancouver Canucks, who currently yes. have a 2-1 series lead over the Blues. And the Blues needed overtime to beat them this time. So, yes, again, they, they did seem to still struggle, the Blues. But, again... For the Blues' sake, it seemed they're another defensive-oriented system. And something I was talking about before we got on was that uh, I think what helped them win the Cup last year was facing another Bruins, facing the Bruins team, which wasn't really the biggest offensive offensive mm-hmm. threat. But there was still obviously that Bergeron line you have to be cautious of and everything. Um, and defensively they're still pretty good so it was a very defensive kind of effort there and they were able to pull it out because st louis just right. has better offensive talent than the bruins did and that was able to uh, do it and they also had jordan benson who at times played really well especially in game seven but playoff wise it was pretty average Bennington. it wasn't yeah. the stellar down the stretch Bennington. And that actually leads us to the struggles of the Blues so far in the playoffs. Is it seems like uh, Bennington? I know there was a big pause, and goalies are gonna. It takes uh, longer for some goalies to get acclimated than others. But for the Blues' sake, uh, Bennington has really, really yeah. struggled. Um, he has. So, in just in comparison to how he did last year compared to this year, so in twenty, he, so Jordan Bennington started started in all twenty six games for the uh, Blues last year and went to the Stanley Cup. He went 16 and 10. Um, he had a 0.914 save percentage, 2.46 goals against average, and only one shutout. Um, it even says he on um, hockeyreference.com he had 18 of those starts of 26 were quality starts. That means eight starts were not quality starts. Um, so again, it's I really think that he had an after again looking at his stats, he had an average playoffs last year. He had phenomenal and stellar moments in the playoffs. Hence, Game Seven of the uh, Stanley Cup Finals, completely dominating the the net uh, against the Bruins, shutting them down, only allowing one goal. And I believe it was a five-one win, and making some game-changing series-winning moments throughout the playoffs, especially again Game Seven of the uh, Cup Finals, but. He looked all right. He didn't look – again, during the regular season, he looked uh, – he went 30, 24, and 5. Or sorry, no, sorry. <laughs> That's not even close. He started um, 30 games. He played 32. He went 24, 5, 1, excuse me, 
a 1.89 goals against average, 0.927 save percentage on real during the regular season. But again, it was only half. And I think, uh, you know, again, he had moments where he definitely struggled. And Mike, you even pointed out that at one point during the regular season for the AHL, he was the backup. He started last season back up to the St. Louis Blues affiliate in yeah. the AHL. So it, that was because of injuries that had him come up because he came up similar to our own Carter Hart. He came up around the same time and similar to how uh, Carter Hart did it. Um, he kind of was even more lights out last year and this year it seems in a full season, which I think a lot, a good amount of people were uh, kind of expecting him to come back to earth and not really expect him to do as well as he did last year, except for NHL.com because they thought for some reason he was like the best goalie now, mm-hmm. um, which he's not. It's his second, his first full season. Um, he's played a season and a half now, so mm-hmm. it's still going to take him Again, some time to actually the, become a right. constant stay. This is where he is uh, a goaltender compared to uh, others in the uh, in the league, uh, so it makes me even also why he was fifth in the Vesna last year when he only played 32 games. Yeah, that, I, and I think, um, and excuse me, but I think that's complete bullshit that he was fifth for the Vesna for playing not even half the season. Yeah, and that, this, that's complete crap. And in this playoffs, Jake Allen has actually played better than uh, Bennington has. And not yeah. just that, um, I still, I still can't trust really uh, Jake Allen either. No, so he, so Jake Allen, so and year, again, yeah, he's doing great. The stats so far, and um, so Jordan Bennington, he went thirty thirteen and seven the regular season, point nine, uh, one two save percentage, two point five six goals against average, three shutouts. That's still average. It's you know he's had his moments where he's looked good. You know the, the win column, thirty thirteen and seven, that, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at them though, twenty. So okay, so to be fair, twenty eight of his thirty wins were quality starts. He had fifty starts though, so just about sixty two percent, if I am guessing, of those starts of those fifty starts. 28 of them were quality starts. That's pretty bad. If you really deep do a deep dive on Jordan Bennington starts, he oh, you're still on Bennington. Sorry, I thought you were yeah. talking about Jake Allen. Well, well, yeah, so but now transitioning to yeah. Allen now 12, 6, and 3, 0.927 save percentage, 2.15 goals against average, 14 quality starts in 21 starts. Much, much better. And Mike, I'm sure you have your own opinion on Jake Allen. I definitely want to hear about what you have to say. I just know because Jake Allen's been around for a little bit now. He's 29 yes. now. But I, he's one of those goalies I can't really trust because he was even back in the days when Brian Elliott was net minding yeah. in St. Louis. Um, and he kind of took the job from Brian Elliott because Brian Elliott yeah. was shaky. And Jake Allen kind of had the same thing happen with Jordan Bennington because he was kind of shaky yes. and he was also hurt. So Bennington came in. Um, and that's where he is now. So that's kind of how it has played out. But for this place in particular, Jake Allen has really played as well as he did pretty much for the season. 
Yeah. Um, um, his season stats yeah. are about average for a goalie. Uh, they aren't really that stellar. The save percentage is more a little stellar than the other, but they're still about average for a goaltender's sake in the mm-hmm. NHL. Um, for the but for the and the two games he's played in the playoffs so far, it's significant. one playoffs, one round robin. Yeah. So he's one and zero in the playoffs. He's one and one in t- between the playoffs and round robin now. Yeah. And I still think Bennington's still the starter. It was just they yeah. were struggling in the series to do really anything. And the quick thing to try to get people jump started is switch the goalies. Yeah, switch the goalies. So they don't end up being like the Capitals and being swept. Yeah. Um, and the, so the other, the other thought the I was. The Blues yeah. is they, if they would have lost and say they would have gotten swept, they would have been, I think, if I was uh, part of correctly, uh, the last time that happened, the Stanley Cup winning team got swept next round was the 0 2. Uh, Detroit Red Wings, and luckily they, they did not end up being like that Red Wings team, but because they won last night. But yeah. still, it's still, it's, yeah, it's really tough for them. I know, I don't think it's like a President's Trophy curse because obviously that went to the Bruins, but they were first in the West. So at, yeah. maybe there's a bit there as well. Because that was the same last year, both first over first, like uh, place. Teams all the division leaders the guys. Yeah, they all, all the got, division leaders lost last year in the playoffs. Yeah, last year was just a really strange playoff year. It's the strangest year ever. But it seems to be it could be similar to this year as well. Obviously, the two teams that were the best fell to fourth and Rod Robin. Granted, yeah. for those teams' sakes, maybe they weren't taking that seriously. They were just getting their feet going. Whatever they felt, right. maybe they can take on whoever. Um, and really, if you're really that comp, if you think you're that number one team, you should be able to beat anyone. It shouldn't really matter where you are in the seating. And for the Boston's sake, they got it even worse because they are facing the Hurricanes, and the Vancouver is playing on paper a fairly uh, game, a series you think they should be able to take. But Vancouver's style is completely different than the style they faced against last oh, year against yeah. the um, Bruins, and even the. Didn't they play the Stars in the conference final? They played the Stars in the second round. It was the um, San Jose Sharks in the conference finals. Um, But it's just a completely different animal, this Vancouver team, which is why I almost want to put them not above uh, Montreal because Montreal is obviously, I think, may may have come in as the worst team. Maybe not. I don't know. But they're obviously a twelve. Were the twelfth seed when they came in, mm. and they're obviously surprising people everywhere by obviously upsetting the Penguins, and they destroyed the Flyers, and pretty much the only game that was a complete blowout. Um, yeah, of the playoffs and postseason so far. But the Vancouver, it's more surprised to me because they're a young team that I kind of threw off throughout there because it's. Right. I don't think they're ready yet to. They're make getting there. Front. They're getting there. But they're getting it from the people you thought uh, you were hoping to, or see maybe what they can bring, and you got it in Pedersen and uh, Hughes as well. I think he's played a huge part in that. He and has, yeah. Some, he, their, yeah. some of the veterans there has helped too, but uh, overall, it seems like St. Louis just can't really deal with Vancouver's young kind of team, and for their sake, and team that's very well defensive. Oriented, they hope they can turn around. And now that they took a game, uh, maybe that gets their confidence going a bit. Maybe they come back and 
tie it up, but who knows? We'll see. Playoffs are weird. Um, uh, weird things happen. So, yes, absolutely. So, and speaking about you know the Canucks and everything, I definitely want to talk about. So, leading the way is Elias Pettersson, nine points, tied with Jack. Or, sorry, Quinn Hughes. Keep doing that as well uh, for the lead with nine points for better the playoffs. But, yeah, better he is. Bo Horvat, eight points. JT Miller and Brock Besser, seven points. Tanner Pearson, Chris Tanev, of all people, actually, yeah, six that's, points. That's another thing, too. Let's not forget they traded for Tanner Pearson at the deadline. He did. And, and, and that that was a big move. And also, um, the big one is he's not playing. He only played one game because I'm, I'm almost certain he's injured. Tyler Toffoli, he only has one point in one game. Again, I'm certain he's injured. Uh, I can't remember what it is, though. But the nice thing for Vancouver, they are getting – and why they're having such a tough time for the St. Louis Blues – they're giving the Blues such a tough time. They have so much depth. They have a lot of speed, very explosive speed in Quinn Hughes, Bo Horvat, Elias Pettersson. Um, the depth, the chemistry between this team. But yes, they're a very young team. But the fact that Vancouver is giving the defending Stanley Cup chance so much trouble – I, I really wanted to pick Vancouver in this round. I really did. But just the way St. Louis was presenting themselves, regardless of the round robin, I thought, look, they're defending Stanley Cup champs. I never, I almost never have them, the defending Stanley Cup champs lose round one. It is definitely possible, uh, no matter what year you're talking. But Typically, for the defending Stanley Cup champs, they uh, no matter who it is, they usually come out saying, "Look, last year wasn't a fluke. We're here to prove it. We are the champs, and we're going to do it again." And they come out, you know, usually guns blazing in round one. This is a very different round one than I was expecting. I was expecting a very tight series. Luckily, it's two one, but the first two games really showed why Vancouver is where is basically where they are now, why they made it to the playoffs officially, why they They're were actually up a to team where I think they still would have been in the playoffs if the playoffs yes. were playoffs. It, it's not uh, like no that I agree with. That's not like the Canadians, <laughs> Canadians or the Blackhawks yeah. who just got in because they extended the playoffs. Exactly. Um but I Arizona. really love what Vancouver is doing. I think they have a lethal team for a few years to come now. They're trying to kind of rebuild that mini quote-unquote dynasty they had also, with the Sedins, yeah, and Lit Wongo. Jeff, just saying. We don't have to, we don't have to go into him because we talked about him a bit last time. Watch out for those Coyotes. The Yotes. They took game three. They did. They did. Well, we got to keep an eye on them. I know. I that's have the, the series that had to se- go seven, so. I, I know. And, hey, that that's totally fair. I still have the Avs winning in five, mm-hmm. like no, most people probably do. I, I think you <laughs> – No, no, no. <laughs> hey, we'll, we'll say, again, this is why we played the game. This is why no playoffs are guaranteed, even though, for example, even though the Islanders are up 3-0, caps aren't out of it yet, just saying. And so, even though Tuka Rask very late said he was dealing with personal opting out, which opt we out. are going to talk about soon. Uh, that's what was I was transitioning over because ah, I kind of done talking about I lied. We're talking about now. Vancouver, but yeah. obviously had any last thoughts on that. 
Uh, I did only have like one last thought on okay. Vancouver or um, sorry, St. Louis, really. It was about Jake Allen and Jordan Bennington and going go back to them real quickly. So yes, Jordan Bennington was benched for Jake Allen, the starter. That's the kick in the rear that the blues need right now saying, look, our starter got benched because we're not playing well in front of him right now. Maybe Bennington isn't looking that great either. He's definitely landing some soft goals. A lot of them, though, weren't his fault, just like a, a lot of these goals we're seeing throughout the playoffs. But really, for the Blues, they're thinking, okay, look, hopefully Bennington can get back in the net for game four. I'm sure he will. He's the go-to guy. He's the starter. We know that. We got to play better in front of him. We play, play like crap the first two games. We need to pick up our game, pick up the pace, match the physicality like the Flyers match uh, the Habs in game three, which is why they won. And they really need to be careful with their pinching. For example, the, the game-winning goal. Uh, Quinn Hughes pinched too aggressively. And not only did he get caught, but he actually got tangled up with his, one of his own teammates, which created that breakaway stretch pass for Braden Chen, who went in and sniped one past Jacob Markstrom. So they really have to be careful with how much they pinch in and how they're defending themselves for the Vancouver Canucks. And for the Blues, again, they got the kick in the rear that they needed. Bennington got benched. That should be that should light a fire underneath Jordan Bennington. He should come out like, like an unbelievable goalie in game four, which I think he will. He I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a shutout because he's gonna be pissed off. Like again, he's a very calm, cool, relaxed guy and everything. We get that. You know, he doesn't get nervous and everything, but he's gonna, you know, there's gonna be some tension there. He's gonna have his moments, but I think really this next game in game four, he's going to do quite well. Um, that's what I have to say about Vancouver. That's what I have to say about St. Louis. Definitely want to transition to talk about Boston and Carolina because I also have an update regarding um, – that. Well, it's a rumor. Um, it's a quick one, but uh, Andrei Sveshnikov's injury, it sounds like it could be, according to Cardiac Kane on Twitter, sounds like it could be just an MCL or high ankle sprain, which is hopeful – because they look a lot worse than that. The recovery time for those injuries is typically around four to six weeks. He's, he will leave the bubble most likely, and that the Hurricanes can keep fighting and stay in this postseason, which I think they will. He can more than most likely return in the conference finals. Maybe. So, again, okay. we got to see how they play. Of course, we got to get there first. Got to just focus on the series, get past Boston. But if they get there, Sveshnikov could return, hopefully for them, by the conference finals, which leads to the other guy, of course, the big one is Tuka Rask. I have my own thoughts. I have a whole thread I post on Twitter, and I have even more comments I wanted to talk about now. I'm sure, Mike, you have quite a bit to say about Tuka Rask opting out, of course, leaving the bubble just before, and he's announcing this just before game three started. What do you got? I'll let you go first, but I'll summarize for people who don't know. And that's okay. serious as well, because that series didn't happen yesterday. It happened the day before. Yes. Yeah. But in that, it was very late kind of notice. It was like the day before of the game. or I think it was like within a few hours, really, yeah. if not within the hour Tukarask or two. made a conscious effort to uh, step away and uh, uh, leave. Opt out. Yeah. Opt out. So, uh you would have thought maybe that would have deterred the Bruins a bit, but it didn't. They nope. took uh, game three. They're yep. up 2-1 on the Hurricanes. The Bruins uh, 
on the back of uh, Halak, who also and has. They didn't even have Pasternak again. Yeah, they didn't have Pasternak again, which is again a huge loss for them. If they can, if he can come back in four, it's a completely different animal at that point. Um, Boston does seem to be getting their feet going again. I will say that. Mm-hmm. Um, and Halak also does have playoff experience too, so yeah. it's not like they're out of the realm here. Right. Um, but back to the Tuka thing, I want to throw it to you first, and then I'll okay. put my two cents in there because I feel yeah. like you, no, of you have a little more to say about it than I do. Um, but yeah, the floor is so, yours. Here is what I post on Twitter because I was, I'm, I, you know, I, I had a lot of time to think about this because you know I've just been a little busy lately. Um, but basically, I posted so after reading some comments and thinking about it again most of the day because I was busy. And I'm still, even right now, and I will be for a very long time, I'm still absolutely baffled by all the harsh criticism and all the comments by fans about Rask. This is why I have to say, if someone who's trying to do what's best for the family, don't you even think for a second and dare criticizing that. Again, it's family reasons and personal reasons why Tuke Rask left the bubble while he, and that's why he's opting out. If you are a, a parent, out there and you're criticizing a person who's doing what he can and what he's what's really best for his family and his wife he's either due or is just at least due very soon or at least she's in general pregnant you know that that's your mm, that that's just complete crap right there you should be better than that no one understands or will what's going on with that and that's the way it should be. It's none of their business. It's none of your people's business out there. What's going on? And again, Tuka doesn't have to explain to him, uh, to anyone on why he's leaving the bubble. You know, to his credit, he said, "Look, base. I, I don't have the exact comments up. But I think he said something about like, look, I'm. You know, it's again personal or family reasons. Leave it at that. That's all it should be left as. Don't go into any more. You need and should be honestly consider a rest and family during this time." It's very, very difficult. I'm sure. Uh, again, do you think it's easy? A lot of these uh, guys, they're fathers. And not only that, but lately we've been seeing a lot of newborns or these players, uh, you know, wives and, and girlfriends and everything. And, you know, and it's, I'm sure it's a very difficult time for them. But again, they had to uh, quarantine for about 14 days. Um, and they've already been gone for a few months, I think, at this point. So without them and basically leaving their wives or girlfriends and their families, really the only ones there to really support. Fitz is their... Sean Couture is one of those people. Yeah, Sean Couture, Claude Drew. I know he is a, a younger. No, I mean, like, uh, he literally he, just had his kid like shortly yeah. before he. And, and, and again, that too. But uh, um, you know, perfect example, Coots. You know, again, I'm sure, I'm sure these guys want to be home more than anything, but you know, they're deciding to play hockey. That's fine. Nothing wrong with that. But if a guy is going home to help out his wife for their family, what is wrong with you if you're criticizing the guy for that, giving him crap and saying, look, oh, now you decide to opt out? Oh, why didn't you opt out before? You don't know what's going on in their lives, nor should you know what's going on in their lives. It's private. Give the guy some freaking slack, okay? Be considerate. This is more than hockey at this point. It's about family and much more. Leave the damn guy alone. Cut him some slack. 
Boston fans specifically, and others who I've seen comment on, have criticized him his entire career in Boston. I get it. You know, he's had some shaky moments over the years and everything. He's a Vesna winning trophy goalie. He's up for the Vesna, I believe, again this year. Cut the guy some slack. He was the whole reason why he won the cup last year. Yes. And in 2013, he did his best in 2010. And again, it wasn't all Rask in 2010. The Bruins had depth, and as playoffs happened, injuries happened. They lost Krejci. They lost um, Mario Sturm that year. There was a lot of key guys that really hurt their lineup throughout that playoff run in 2010 during the, against the Flyers where they blew the 3-0 series lead. That's not all on Tuca. During this, his career really in Boston, he's always gotten criticism that he doesn't deserve. He's a hell of a goalie. People need to cut him some slack. But again, now that he's opting out because of family reasons, they're giving him even more crap. Be human for once in your life. I don't care if you're a Boston fan. I don't care if you're a hockey fan or a sports fan in general. Whatever fan you're, uh, uh, you know, fan of your team, uh, team fan of whatever you want to call it, give the guy some slack. It's for family reasons, for personal reasons. Leave it at that. Move on. Be human. Be better for once in your lives. Yeah, Jeff, but sports first, you know. It's my team. You're supposed to be there. That's my colors. That uniform, that logo, that is my team. Once that person is no longer on his team, he is no longer on my team. I don't care about him. But as long as he's riding that B with the little bike. Oh, yeah. The little bike, I like that. Little bike wheel, whatever you want to look at that, whatever you want to say that wheel is. And the Brewers logo. Uh, If he's not wearing a B, fuck him. Spoken like a true Boston fan there, Mike. Mm, Well, spoken like a true Philadelphia fan because the Philly fans do the same thing to Drew, so. I'll so put it this way. Not- I'll, 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 and, and again, I'll put it this way. If one of the Flyers players, and again, we may even see more players now saying, look, there's an NHL star that opted out. He left the bubble for his family. If other, I wouldn't be shocked if we see other players do that too. Obviously, it's not the best timing, but hey, I'm not here to yeah. criticize that. I, I'm here to applaud was- that. The only thing I would give him to because maybe I would have done it before the series started. Right, and that's the thing is, I, maybe I would have made the decision a couple hours before the game. Well, so so again, the only thing uh, the only thing yeah. I would give on him is maybe doing it at a better time. But granted, you don't know what the family situation is, so maybe that situation ca- called on him to leave. But if exactly, it yeah, if it was me, I probably would have left because I'm assuming if it's because of the birth of a child or something i'm assuming a couple days beforehand is fine if it's like a couple like before the series started right it's not like that but again the other thing is is that it's not like he's going technically right home he has to he more than likely has to quarantine first before actually going home home of course the other thing is i was thinking you know and and that's a fair question is oh why didn't he opt out before this all started Maybe something happened within the last few days where it all of a sudden, as we know it in life, stuff happens, and that's how you know things go. They happen at random times. You know, things could be fine one minute, and next thing you know, something could happen. Maybe, you know, and again, it's not our business. It shouldn't be, but maybe something happened literally last minute where it's, wow, this is this is real life or this is reality. 
it's more than it's bigger than hockey and people have to understand that and if you can't that's you gotta be better you gotta be a decent human being i don't care who you're a fan of you gotta be a human being for once in your life i i know it's boston fans i know anyway people are assholes yeah. They don't care and, about the ex- explanation yeah. why. They just see he left, so he just ditched the team. He is not I'll a put team it, player. I'll put, that is I'll what put they're it this looking way. at. They're not looking deeper into that. I'll, I'll put it this way. If Claus, Sean Couture, again, you, you know, he just, his uh, wife just had, you know, their, their child and everything. He left the bubble. Sure, it's a frustrating moment, but look. By the end of the day, if you're actually a decent human being, you'll understand that right. they're doing it for their family. And you got to leave it at that. Sure, I, I could see it being frustrating if you're a fan, but if you really have a decent part of your body, you know, you really gotta gotta give them some slack. You gotta be patient. Gotta respect their decision. For Bruins' sake, they're bigger fans of Hallock anyway, so apparently so yeah those are my thoughts yeah that's my opinion mike what do you got um mine's kind of the same thing people are just assholes and they don't again that's not really looking too deep into why he's actually leaving it's just seeing oh he just left the team he's not a team player um that's what i think those people are probably thinking of rather than it's actually like a life situation because they don't realize oh these people these players that I'm a fan of actually have lives outside of the sport they're actually playing. They're not just playing for my amusement. They're actually playing because they like the sport. And when sometimes life happens, life just happens. And unfortunately you have to leave or uh, have to deal with it or do whatever. But people don't really like to look too far into it. So yeah. Anyways, uh, that's all we got there around the league stuff. So let's, for the rest of this, let's talk about that uh, Flyers game yep. from last night. Um, if you are a big fan of defensive battles, uh, last night was uh, not the game for you. Um, if you're expecting the Flyers to put up five goals or not the game for do you. what they – yeah, if they were looking as uh, offensively as great as they were in the Rob Robin games, that wasn't the game for you. Because, uh, unfortunately, this is how that series is probably going to have to be one for the Flyers. Um, they're going to have to kind of match the, their intensity. They're going to have to keep being as well as they're doing on the forechecking front. They have to stop, again, have to maybe not have uh, uh, have Carey Price not carry get the puck so easily, give him some difficulties. Um, obviously, we're going to get into more so the problems the Flyers had last night, but overall yeah. it was still – a decent game for the Flyers. I want to say it was a perfect game or really it was not really a great game either. They played good. They had, mm-hmm. they uh, defensively, defensive wise, uh, they played great. They held the, they uh, did very well of shutting the, the Canadians down for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously they still had their chances. The Flyers still made their mistakes here and there that the Canadians almost uh, bounced on. They did have, what, like five posts in the game? They hit five posts? At least, yeah, um, at least. They, they, it was post after post, it felt like, for the But saying that the Canadians don't have currently that would help that is none of the players that they have currently, I don't think, are really, quote-unquote, I think Charlie was had, had a throw on this, but, quote-unquote, finishers. Not that yeah. they're really those type of players that they have. 
So they're looking at guys like Brendan Gallagher or uh, maybe Jonathan Drouin, something like that, that might be a little more offensively to, you know, put the puck in. But yeah. unfortunately, the way they've been playing, especially in this series, it's been trying to be that stingy kind of take advantage of uh, your forechecking, your speed. And so far, it's worked for them. So far, it's given the Flyers some troubles. It obviously gave the Penguins troubles as well. And they weren't able to overcome so far. The Flyers overcame a 5 nothing lead and then shut them out the next night or a couple nights later. Yeah. Uh, so hope we'll see what the question is going to be, what happens the back-to-back. That's going to be a very Absolutely. key, very key for this game. Another small minor thing, I thought it might have been a bigger kickstart for the Flyers than it was, but the person you're wearing on your shirt right now, Oscar Lamblom, did officially end his quarantine time. And uh, uh, was at his first uh, uh, practice with the team. Yeah. Uh, he got one of the most yeah. amazing moments ever. He led the team in uh, morning skate warm-ups mm-hmm. with morning stretches. And for like it felt like two minutes at least, I think, the team was tapping their sticks. T- T- Travis connecting. He was full on being yeah. TK. TK being TK. Yes, Instead of he's doing this, he yeah. was just whack, whack on the ice. And it was mm-hmm. it was just a, such a great moment. Uh, classic TK. But yeah, it really was great to see uh, Oscar on the ice with the boys, and and uh, it was such an he was, watch, he was watching from above. It was such an emotional moment for the team as a whole. Coaches got mm-hmm. very emotional. A couple almost cried, uh, according to you know some some guys there and. Uh, that's know, where I don't. That's I think even texted you where I don't mind as much that Hag played last night just because he's so yeah. close with Oscar. Maybe that gave him a yeah. little more of a jump start. And I Granted, think it did. There were still some shaky moments from that third pair. I will admit. Of course, there was um, a lot of moments where they were pinned into their own zone, and for some reason I don't know why I get it because that fourth line kind of matches up well against that Canadian team, but that line seemed to be out there. Every shift, you know, like every like two minutes, it seemed like they Here's were. Here's what there. I don't get: Why did the Thompson line start for the game? Um, intensity reasons, if I had to guess, uh, to try to make that statement to try to get to the grittiness of matching the uh, Canadians. Um, for the most part, I think they did a decent job at that. Um, not great. Not they were okay. Yeah. They didn't play as well as it did. Uh, and that because it was the first time they were all together that fourth line since the Boston game, the Flyers' first uh, round robin game. Um, and then that one, you can remember, Raffle was hurt. Uh, and obviously, I think it's going to take a game or two for Raffle to finally get his uh, feet back from under him. After I agree. Missing some time. Um, and Pitlick did Pitlick things. And I know we aren't the biggest fans of Thompson, but. A minor thing I thought was going to help the Flyers more than it really has so far was Thompson being on the Canadians. Um, yes. But the thing that that helps for Thompson's sake is that his strong suit is his defensive abil- abilities. I know you don't really like seeing him so much on the PK or seeing him late in games uh, when the Flyers are up by a little bit trying to uh, you know, preserve the win and everything. I mean, I but, get it. I get why he's yeah. out there, but I feel like we could the Flyers could or AV could put someone out out there that's a little bit better. Again, he blocks who? shots. He's a big body. Thompson. I'm saying who would replace him at that? Oh, point? oh, oh. I yeah. Look center, at our center lines after Thompson kind of falls, especially if with Lawton yeah. playing a wing now. 
The I was going to say, honestly, put the chirp line out there. Put TK, Hazy, and Lots out there to, you know, towards the end of the game because they, they can do. skate. Last night they were cycling out all four lines. Well, you know, no, that, that I like. I'm saying, like, instead of being consistent with, oh, just one line kind of leading mm-hmm. the charge. The one of, thing I do find yeah. interesting, at least PK-wise, but it seems like the first people that are out there PK-wise, whenever they're on a shorthanded, it's Couturier and Grant. Is that yeah. the duo you would have thought? And for some reason, I really wish they would play him more, but because I think Hayes might this season up there with Kateri has been our best uh, penalty killer. They and really for some reason, he's, he's been like the third shifted kind of uh, PK guy. And I yeah, think he which, should, which I doesn't honestly make feel sense, like he should get a little he more. He led the league in shorthanded goals with four, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I thought he, I would have thought they would have used him more. Kid? Yeah. So the other thing I was going to say is I don't. But that's so, a, I think that's a yeah. that's a benefit for the Flyers. I know you, we again we aren't the biggest fans of him, but PK wise he's good there. The Flyers PK throughout this whole time. Yeah, Thompson or um, Grant. Both of them. They both help. Their whole reason why they brought no, him here yes, is for depth no, that, reasons. That I agree. Um, they, they are good depth players. They're good penalty killers. I've, I've, but my point was going. Grant, also, I don't like on the power play. That doesn't make sense. That's a. Huge, I think that was because. Knack was hurt or something. I that Knack might be why a, because I Knack do took, remember, remember seeing he took a shot. He yeah, it took, was on his foot. So yeah. I, I think we really should keep an eye out for Nicholas Abe Kubel over the next few days to see if he actually. I mean, we had the same situation with TK, and he came back. right. But for TK though, yes, it was a slap shot compared to just a wrist shot. I think it was for Knack, but Abe Kubel he took that right to like. His, a toe. Not only his foot, but he was his toe, exactly. But I would have thought, because the thing yeah. that we were talking about when we were talk, uh, watching the game was, yeah. you was, I think you would think there'd be a little more padding if it was like the front of his foot on the skate rather than like the side of it. If it's like, if you're thinking, you would of, like, think. if you're thinking of it like a regular like, shoe or whatever, you think the top yeah. of it's a little more padded than it's, you would think. But, it, but as I'm trying to picture just how the skate is, but. You don't have a skate behind you and your Flyers memorabilia? <laughs> Surprisingly, I don't. I do have some ice skates in the garage there. So, uh, but, uh, but no. So, really, it's the toe is probably one of the worst spots you could get a puck. I almost rather get an, and obviously, if you had to block it somewhere, avoid, you know, you want it in the, uh, in the shins because you had shin pads and everything and other pads on. But, you literally have no protection once it comes to your feet. You have your skates, of course. You even have the, the skate guards of the, the plastic clear guards that help protect you a little bit more. Still not a whole lot. They, they need to really develop something to help protect the player's feet. Um, there's a little to almost no protection there, and they're lucky they don't have more breaks in their, in their feet, really. Um, but. Before I get, because yeah. you mentioned Grant on the power play, we'll get to the power play in a bit, but I actually want to talk about the PK more so because yeah. outside of the one goal in game two that they gave up to the Canadians, that PK has, similar to the season, it's been a very surprise for how well they've looked. And yeah. obviously um, the trades they, they made uh, at the yeah. deadline for to help that for yeah. when it comes to playoff time is depth defensively, um, which obviously you saw why they made the, especially that game last night, you saw why those trades were actually beneficial for the Flyers. Again, right. they were and very, really, even Pitlick yeah. and obviously Raffle and Lawton, those guys are obviously well-known, but the little trades Hayes. they made and Hazia, 
uh, from the offseason, but those are also very minor trades if you're looking at it. Very big kind of uh, very honestly underrated trades because underrated trades. Uh, Grant's kind of fallen off a bit since he, he, he first has came. unfortunately a little bit. Um, he he looked great when during the regular uh, regular season. Yeah, when I first got season. him. Yeah, when he first got him, he was amazing. Thompson, he had his moments where he looked pretty sharp, but both of them, unfortunately, their plays kind of fallen down at the yeah, but bit. I, I'd say this um, too. For yeah. the playoffs' sake, you don't need them to be no offensively. You want them to be what you traded them for. You want exactly. them for their defensively defensive abilities. So far, it's yeah. helped. Braun's been a little. Braun and Niskanen have been shaking the playoffs so far. Niskanen has been surprisingly very quiet and has even not the, played a even the game. start of the game last night. That Provorov Niskanen pair almost gave up a early chance again to the Canadians. And I hate to say this, but I don't know if it would be beneficial to split up that defense pairing. Not, for one kind of sp- I know they're not, but I'm just saying because I don't know what Niskanen needs to do. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, it's just it's, playing it, it's his own way out of it kind of thing. Um, prob- and, and you're probably right. I think um, the thing that helps is that you're playing the same teams at this point five times. So you think by the fifth yeah. game, you have a better understanding of what you're going to get from these teams. So maybe yeah. by that time, they under, they'd have a better chance of uh, defending it, especially after right. this, this, again, you this need is the to first adapt. game the Flyers were the quote-unquote road team. So they didn't have final change. So you already right. have a better understanding of how they're going to play their lines versus the Flyers' lines. And that's, I think, maybe a reason why they started the fourth line. So maybe they could give the Couturier line a better kind of matchup they could possibly face because I feel like that first line was like the last line to get out there when it was the first line go, first time going through. Probably, it. yeah. And believe uh, it or not, that line was the one line that got through. Yeah. So and I definitely have. It's a funny because yeah. the three stars from that I saw from the actual game and from the broadcast point of view was uh, Sherbat for what's like the second star, mm-hmm. and for the actual was Shea Weber, but. The Couturier line did very Shut well. Shut him again. down. Yeah, they didn't do as well as I think the game. No, those people I don't know realized. who voted Weber as the third star. That was a joke. Also, I don't. I'm assuming you probably have seen many of Mike Milbury's comments about Carter Hart's shutout. Yeah. And, yeah. Oh God. And that the Flyers. He goes. The Carter third- Hart's my third star. Decent shutout, but played with a fire with. Played with fire a little too much. What do you mean a decent shutout? Literally, he was the reason they won. Obviously, because besides Warchick again, yeah, I don't think goal. they had. A, I don't think they had a great number of shots on them. But no, they but they're had... all quality shots. Yeah. They, he had so Hartsey. He had a twenty-three save shutout again. Not a lot of shots. Nothing. A, yeah, that's literally nothing. But. Again, they're quality shots. Uh, you know, and a lot of them would, but also more, have to, would have been – we're off the cross that they don't Look at the stats but. and then look at the – I know I don't like care for block shots, but the Flyers blocked a lot of shots last night. They blocked 24 in favor of uh, Montreal's 10. By I the way, that's a big a, one. We this, is about, a, this was a big stat also last night, and it seems like it really was flipped the other way. The Flyers only gave away five pucks. Montreal gave away 16. Yeah, again, Montreal, they, they're stingy. And when they had those opportunities to capitalize on uh, bad chances for the Penguins and Flyers' sakes, they capitalized on them. But as a whole, they're not 
a great, great team yet. No. They still have a ways to go. Yeah. Um, so, and again, both teams, they need to continuously uh, continue to. And the only reason why Montreal has been doing so well so far is because they're, when they are scoring Price. And Carey Price, too. They're doing it to perfection. They're do, yeah. using their system to perfection. Once yeah. it starts to falter a bit, which at some point I'm assuming it's going to, because they've been playing more hockey than uh, the Flyers have. Um, so maybe that might take them down a bit as the series goes on, or maybe not, depending on how well they're uh, managed and everything. Uh, but it's just... Yeah. It's also... Uh, back to that Milbury thing, it's you also have to commend the Flyers' defense for that effort for not getting so many shots on Carter Hart. It's a similar thing you could say to Varlamov, who wasn't particularly that great in Colorado, but coming over to Barry Trotz, who was very defensive-oriented, a defensive-oriented team and a defensive-oriented system, so that mm-hmm. makes his uh, the goaltender not as worried. Same with Bennington last year. The Blues have a very good def- defense in front of them. I'd argue the same thing with Carolina, but yeah. Marazic's far off from those other goalies to wow. me. He's yeah, closer it's... to Rolamov than the other two, I think, at the moment. But even they're too young for me to really say one way or the other. But right. for Carter Hart's sake, other thing, though, I, the yeah. team that there's a fence that's in front of him isn't the defensive the Flyers pass. It's not the Nate, the Schultz or the McDonald's, the Grossman's that are Brandon Manning's that were in front of him, the Flyers defense before. So it's actually a decent D pair. If the only problem we have is really Justin Braun being the t- situation on your third pair, right. then that's not that big of a deal. That's not a because again, remember earlier and Tate in the Thompson's season, your fourth we, line. We were, it's not we were a big talking deal. about worst case scenario. Robert Haig was your seventh defenseman. That's not even that bad of an option. Yeah, and and again, Thompson uh, he provides more depth and everything. He hasn't looked his best. He hasn't looked his worst. He's he's again. I think we got exactly what we. I think we got what exactly what we expected from him. Exactly, and again, I'm happy with the fact that we got him. Again, provides. I'm glad we didn't give up too much. To exactly, it was fifth, and um, I think that's it. Just fifth round pick. Sorry, I'm bringing up the trades real quickly. But no, so and while I'm bringing that up, my points that I a couple things really, um, and also one thing I definitely want to talk about is. And again, all yeah, it was a fifth round pick for Nate Thompson. Yep, that was it. and then it was also a conditional fourth round pick for Kyle Chris Chrysolo. Um, so, uh, and Anaheim will receive the higher or better of either the Philadelphia or Nashville's fourth round pick. Okay, this is also I just realized Cap only has Flyers a typo. currently own. Um. Definitely has a typo. It says mm-hmm. um, they'll receive the higher or better of either Philly or Nashville pick that the Flyers currently own. Result: Nash or Anaheim will receive Nashville's 2020 first round pick. That's the result. I, I think they mean fourth, not first round pick, because that doesn't make sense. Anyway, though, uh, but so those were the trades there. So a couple things for me. Um, one, all right, I got to start off with this one. Mike Milberry doesn't know his hockey anymore. He is anymore. one of the worst Maybe commentators. Ever. All right, true, ever. One of the worst commentators, most disrespectful human Wait, beings. Wait, where I've would you – because we, we had this discussion too. Would you rather be in the press box doing play-by-color uh, commentary or intermission? 
oh, in our mission, I, he, I, I would, I feel bad for John Forsland. He's doing a great job, and, and Boosh, and Boosh is doing. A, you see how Drew fake, or he, he went yeah. to toss the puck he up and hit socks. Yeah. I thought it was awesome, but no, so. But no, for Millberry though. So this is another example of how clueless Mike Millberry is. Not only for you know, not only uh, well, he thought a, Jake. He thought rightfully so. Jake Musson was uh, you know, uh, embellished his uh, yeah. crash. Yeah. So so yeah, you're embellishing an injury, and you have to get uh, take on front stretcher. Yeah, you're definitely embellishing. Yeah, embellished. Um, of course. No. And then there's that ignorant comment about Carter Hart's, you know, shutout. Oh, it was it. It wasn't a good shutout. It was it was all right. And you know, he played with fire. You know, Hart's still a young kid. He's learning. He he you know he's had his learning moments again, like I mean, in game two. He had the one where he turned the puck over eventually to goal. You know, yeah, last night's game, you saw him. He played the puck much better. Unfortunately for the one play, he fired the puck, got a little too much air underneath it. Yeah, luckily they didn't, luckily they didn't score happens. on that power play. So Right. But my point is, though, Millberry, in one of the other comments he made was, he said that the Flyers, to him and his uh, hockey opinion, he goes, really, to me, it seems like the Flyers are playing back. They're kind of – um, you know, turtling here. And I even <laughs> tweeted at him this morning because I was frustrated with his ridiculous comment. I said, I sure hope Mike Milberry sees his tweets last thread about the Flyers. He can use these notes to help prepare for his next broadcast for the series. Oh, yeah, you again, were it's replying, true. You're replying to a Charlie O'Connor. Sorry. Yes, and the tweet, because Charlie had a great thread. We can kind of break down each one if we want or focus on one or two. Just focus on I one or two. That, and that's fine, because two of them, uh, it, it's numbers two and three. Um, the, we'll go over this one right now because it's the Millberry thing. A good self-test here is your th- review of the third period. And again, this is from Charlie O'Connor of The Athletic. If your initial thought was that the Flyers turtled at Millbury, you thought they turtled, and parked it, reevaluate that. Charlie continued by saying Philadelphia led in scoring chances 9-3 to three in the final 20 minutes. They gave up very little and created more than you may have thought. Good period. Again, Millbury, do your homework. Actually watch the game. I don't know what game you were watching, but the Flyers it's similar didn't to, turtle. I think he has a similar mindset that Pierre does. He's not going to does because – what Charlie's looking at is the advanced kind of stats. Exactly. That puts his point of view. But for his sake, what he was saying was the Flyers being defensive was kind of turtling because they weren't barely getting out, out of just their, their own zone. Right. And again, to be fair, you know, they were playing a defensive game, but it's not like they weren't providing any offense. I'm sure they only scored one goal that's five minutes into the game, but still, they're getting good quality shots on that. They only had, unfortunately, again, 20 shots or so uh, in the whole game. And look, it's it's absurd. Yeah, but let the other thing I wanted to talk about for that game last night was uh, the power play, which yes. again, it has looked very uh, shaky. It's been a very shaky power play. Um, so, um, yeah. and it it's very there's slight changes I would probably make to it to, I don't know if it really make it any better, but seeing how the Flyers are probably going to play, they're going to have to play for the rest of the series. I don't know if Ghost is going to come back in. 
I think yeah. Hag played fine it's last tough, night. I don't yeah. think he played stellar or really that great. I think he played fine. But I think we're I don't think Ghost is gonna be coming back. But because yeah. you don't it didn't have Ghost or Faraby play last night, your power play did take a hit because of it. And no offense to Proveroff, but the whatever Michelle Tarian's doing by feet by changing it from not because before yeah. it's usually doing plays behind the net or closer to the net. Um, but recently, it's having the par- the power play seem to go through uh, Travis Konechny, who I don't think at the moment is capable enough to really quarterback a power play. Um, he, he and, you know, I think it, it's a I good like process be, for him to do that on the second power play, not the first. Yeah, I also think Konechny should just be net front, right in front of the goal, because he's, yeah, cause again, he's that pesky fre- presence yeah. that, and, you know, he has, he has a good shot, but he's a good stop player to tip the puck in that he's not the biggest guy of course but again mm-hmm. any bodies in front of carrie price is better than nobody's buddies uh sorry bodies uh i can't speak today um and that's the biggest flyers issue on the power play in in general they need bodies in front of the net the, the think back to that opening goal in game one they had both sean Couture, a very big large player and jake borchek screening carrie price Puck, I still don't know how did a better... off of Jake Borchak, but Proverov took the shot from the point. Price saw nothing. That's they what did he better. I will say they did do a better yeah. job last night at trying yes. to his eyes away. But they, and they, and is, they did. They still need to work on it, but you know, continue think, pressuring them. I like Proverov. You know I do. I like my Russian. Yeah. Uh, the best Russian. Yeah. But you got to stop fitting him at the blue line and having him take a shot. His shot isn't that great enough to do that. The only person on the Flyers, I think, that is able to do that is maybe Phil Myers. And yeah, I was going to get to him, but maybe Phil Myers because his shot's actually really decent. The other thing, what about Travis Sanheim on the power play? Why not? He's been on the second. Yeah, he's on the second unit. I know, but still, give him a shot. Throw yeah, him exactly. on the first unit just to see how it goes. Um, the power play is atrocious. I also right want to put. I'd also probably take Niskanen off the power play too. Maybe put I would. Myers he, 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 again. I'd, honestly, he this is good. this is what he's how I probably to change it up for the next game because I think we're going to see slight changes. Um, yeah. My hope would be maybe if he had Ghost back in the lineup, uh, put Ghost on the first power play unit, but yeah. I don't see that happening. Um, so I'd actually maybe make the suggestion of putting uh, wow. JVR in for connecting. Yeah. And then have, as you're kind of thinking of the two kind of net for a presence, you have Kateri in the old Braden Shen, Scott Hartnell kind of one yeah. timing spot and JVR, the old, JV, the old JVR slash Simmons yeah. spot of taking away the net the guy in front of him because he's an even bigger body than Kateri and uh TK and that's where his specialty is is that area. Right. Um so I'd maybe make that slight adjustment and then the second unit which needs a big adjustment in itself is I'd put Sandheim and Myers on that on the blue line there. And I'd also have um maybe give Lawton a chance on that power play as well for yeah. uh Grant. Or maybe I'll be cool. Right. I don't know. That's it's a slight fall off. Yeah, no, but my so here's uh, a couple things about one about the power play really. Um, it has looked 
just absolutely atrocious. So they were they, they had six power plays last night. Six. They're or 0 for 5, 0 for 6, whatever it was. I don't even care anymore. It's it's depressing. They had three shots total. The fact mm-hmm. that they had three shots total on five or six power plays in one game, it's too predictable. You need to change it up. You need to make better passes, crisper passes, sharper passes, faster passes. You need to be quick. You need to be less predictable. It's literally the same thing. Some uh, someone leads up the charge up the ice, drops back to someone to enter the zone. You pass to Drew. You pass to Provorov. You you take. You were looking for the perfect shot. A lot of these goals that they that are being scored in playoffs, especially on the power play, aren't being scored from pretty passing. Just quick passes left and right. Just get shots on that. Get bodies out in front, blocking the goalie's view, take away his eyesight. If you do that, you're going to score. And again, the one goal that they did score last night, it wasn't even that pretty of a goal. It was just nice and simple. Shot on net, happened, fucked off Voracek, and in. That's all you need to do. Took, you took Press's eyes away. Exactly. But that was again, also, I think I, I don't know if I said it on here or if I just texted you this, um, but it was, uh, I thought that first line was either going to be like the first, the start the game, or they were going to yeah. be, uh, the one that actually put up the puts up the goal because I thought they were gonna have a game to uh, rebound after that kind of embarrassment. Because yeah. oh yeah, it was on here. Because instead of I thought he was gonna Drew was gonna have a similar shift to the shift he had against the Penguins in twenty twelve. Right. Yeah. Which I mean, so it here's wasn't, it wasn't quite the same, but they still had a shift. <laughs> they had a really it right. was a very good shift for that line that ended up being that goal. So right. So here's my thing. So. So they far, still, for the first few games, need to get the. They're obviously the, the stars, the top players, uh, right, going at least offensively get a goal in there. I think once that happens, I think you'll probably see more yeah. goals going for the Flyers. The Flyers, by the way, they're one for fourteen on yeah. the power play in this series through three games. That's got to change. Now, granted, the Habs aren't doing great either. They're over three last night, which is good penalty kill work. Um, bringing up game two stats on the power play, they were two for six, not great, not terrible, but still two for nine right there. And then game one, where uh, the Montreal Canadiens uh, on their power play, they're one for one. So and they went, three I for don't ten. Think, I, don't I think believe they, they went against the Penguins. I think. Yeah. So no, but for three for ten though so far on the power play compared to Philly's one for fourteen, yeah, yeah, it's not much better. But they at least have more goals and less power plays and everything. The point is, the power play needs to change. Something's got to change. I get it, Montreal. They're and again, Montreal to their credit, they're playing this very dry, boring defensive style, and it's working. But the Flyers, their problem, they can't afford to fall into this quote unquote trap that the Habs that the Penguins fell into. Mm-hmm. That Penguins fell so into the Canadians' the plan of exactly how the Montreal Canadiens wants team want teams to play. They play their style. And and as Charlie again, this is the next point I want to bring up. 
Montreal, and again, how Charlie put it, he said Montreal's playing really well. They're playing their pressure-oriented style to absolute perfection. When an opponent is executing that well, the team can't just snap its fingers and score five goals, especially now with defenses ahead of offenses and return to play. You have to adapt. Yeah, the offense for Philadelphia and their power play hasn't been good. Ideally, they'd be rolling, especially in power play. But teams that can win only win one way don't go far. The last two games are forced to play this blitz style if they wanted to win. Last night, they proved they could, and that's important. And a great point, great points there by Charlie. Um, the Flyers, again, they're falling into this trap game that the Canadians want them to play, and it's working for the Canadians. Right now, though, the Flyers are playing, and they're still able to outperform the Canadians for now. But if they continue to keep falling for this kind of style that the uh, Canadians are playing and want the Flyers to play, really, no one is taken away from the style AV is, you know, he wants their AV's game plan. AV has to adapt. The players have to adapt to it. But They've already done they it once, could, so. Yeah. Again, gonna, this it, series is it's it, not, it, not going to be a fun series. It's not going to be the it's, Calgary it's Dallas. It, it's not going to be. It's not going to be the Dallas. Calgary it's not going to be the Boston. It's not really even going to be the Boston Carolina series. No, um, it's not a lot of goals. It's a very defensive aspect. I think the most amount of goals we'll see in a game, ex- obviously ex- except for Game Two, is going to be three goals from the Flyers yeah. probably, uh, and, and just in general, or maybe four or goals if, at most. It's still possible. He hasn't had one yet, but it's still possible for Carey Price to have an off night. Exactly. Everyone, I, I feel like there's yeah. always one game in the playoffs where some goalie at some point has at least one game where they're off. Again, Carter Hart, game two. Jordan Bennington, really the first two games. Um, Cam Talbot, you've yeah. had Anton Udobin, Ben Mrazek. Yeah. Um, I think even Rask has had some off nights. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It, Again, it happens. It's, it's going to happen. I thought it was going to happen more at this uh, yeah. Playoffs, just because of how far off everyone's been since playing last. But I think think goalies are getting everyone's starting to get their bearings more. I think as that goes on, I think that's going to help. Uh, and for the Flyers' sake, I think they, I think Car- Montreal has. I almost did it again, like I did last time. Um, I think Montreal's done almost everything they can possibly do to potentially yes. beat the Flyers. And yes. the Flyers already know they can beat it. So if the Flyers can just do a better – Play their game and, again, not fall into this trap, they're going to win. But if they continue to fall and play how Montreal wants them to play, the Habs are going to win it. Mm-hmm. And that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. And, again, and that goes back to the next point I want to bring up. And this is the final thing I have to say about the Flyers, really. Uh, I might have a little bit more to say about the Habs. I'm not sure yet. But my final note on Philadelphia here in this series – People aren't giving Montreal credit. They're not giving them much of a chance as they should be. They give them no mm-hmm. shot in round one. I don't know how many people in general, besides myself, gave, actually knew and predicted that the Canadians had a legitimate chance to win round or the uh, qualifying round against the Penguins. But just I wasn't, throwing it, I wasn't throwing it out. I just thought the Penguins were yeah, no, no, better, for but sure. the Penguins uh, again did what on paper, everyone, what people on paper the yeah. Penguins everyone healthy was the better team. But just because of how Montreal has been playing, they got some healthy bodies back as well. But it's also because, one of those things where it's like, oh, I think yeah. it was also two things. One, Crosby didn't was literally play the, the start of that Also, series. a huge, huge reason here, Malkin, 
as we just found out earlier today, he was getting he got um er, is scheduled to get sol- shoulder surgery. I thought it was elbow. Or his elbow, I think. Um yeah, left elbow surgery. Mm-hmm. He's expected to recover in three to four weeks. But again, that also goes to show that players get hurt even during the playoffs. So that explains why Malcolm was ineffective. But again, but I also think is, there was that, that emphasis that they thought, oh, it's just the Canadians. We can take them. Exactly. And I think the Flyers underestimated I don't think the Flyers, them. Think the Flyers have, that, no. have that thing in them. Um, I think the I think AV is a good enough coach, and I think they have a good to enough recognize that. Cap, uh, good, good enough leaders and a good enough locker rooms not to fall into that. They may have fallen exactly. into it a bit in like game two, uh, but they realized, okay, we can't have they bounce that back mindset anymore. They bounce back, and not only that, they had a bunch of things to distract them from that. Um, I know there was the one thing we talked about last time that could potentially get it because. AV hinted at being annoyed that they put their first power play unit on near the end of yeah. the five nothing game, but I don't nothing really transpired there. But I think yeah. it was mostly uh, Oscar being back really helped, and them just trying to, you know, practice going back to what they know they can be. Again, so just think, you know, play loose and everything, yeah. and just play relaxed. And right now, and, yeah, the Penguins only won one game against the uh, Canadians. Canadians. So. If the Flyers did lose, we can still have that over the Canadian, the Penguins, because we did go to the playoffs and we won more games against Canadians. Yeah. The other thing is, um, yeah, but oh, so the uh, so continuing though, um, Flyers are the first seed, and so just because you know Philadelphia is the first seed and Montreal are is twelfth, doesn't mean you should underestimate them. Again, as you mentioned though, Mike, the Penguins they completely underestimated their opponent. It went to four. You know, that's an average series of best of five, I feel like. But again, even the game they won, they didn't look great. Um, you know, they were able to beat Price, and, you know, that's how it happened. But again, for um, I mean, the Philadelphia, they all haven't looked great. They looked good and good enough to win. And I think last night, I think they realized, okay, we could definitely be able to shut this team down. I think that's just going to yeah. get the confidence going again to actually be able to maybe turn it around to get more offensive chances because right. yesterday they were getting – they were able to get uh, – they weren't getting as beat as they were in game two uh, to pucks on the, on long, uh, along the board, and they weren't just – whenever they're dumping and chasing that um, Perry Press was, e- was easily handling it or they were easily just outbeat by it. Last right, night. and the other I, point I as the game, as I've been said, like at least five hundred times so far. I think as that goes on, the Flyers are just going to be better at that because I think the yeah. Fly, even though they're, I think Carolina, Montreal might be a faster team. I think at here and there, but I think the Flyers can match that. And I think yeah. if they're all going, which at some point I have a feeling they're all going to get going at some point. That's just that's where I think the Flyers could potentially right. take advantage. And, uh, and, and win, you're right because they, for just, Montreal, if they though, win, if they win the first half, first part of the back-to-back, then I I could see the series then going to the Flyers because yeah. it'd be a tough fallback. And their times have been announced so that Wednesday game is a Wednesday night at eight o'clock uh, yeah. game for the Flyers and Canadians. For game and five, it's also five, the that question is. of do is that where you actually see Elliott start a game? 
already allow heart. I'm going to get to that in a second. I want to talk about uh, real quickly, finish up my last point here regarding. No, you're good. Um, But but again, and I'm glad you brought up Elliot and and heart. I forgot about wanting to talk about that. But my thing is, though, again, there's a reason why the Canadians beat the Penguins and are in the playoffs. They have depth. They have big bodies. They are heavy hitters. They have speed, and it wears down the opposition. Looking at the lines, Tomas Tatar, he's a bigger body. He throws his body around. Gallagher, although a smaller guy, he's speed, but he can throw his body around. Philip Denault, Arteri Lekkinen. You have Jesperi Katsukanimi, uh, Jonathan Druin gets in dirty areas. Max Domi gets in dirty areas. He has speed. Jake Evans and Joel Armia. They have a spear. lot of depth, a lot of speed that really sparks this Montreal Canadiens team. The Flyers, they're doing a good job, for the most part, of shutting them down. Now, game two, they look flat and everything against this team. But last night, game three, they out. They, they didn't outmatch them. They matched their physicality. They matched their hitting. Travis Konechny had some big hits. You had, saw Phil Myers getting in action. Saw Tyler Pitlick in the action. So if the that's Flyers can why match that the, physicality each game. And Robert Hay, exactly. If you can, if the Flyers can match their physicality in the next game and or few games that they're going to play, then the Flyers are going to take care of business, and the Flyers will win in six, maybe even five. Again, if the Flyers can match that physicality and out-hustle them, out-hit them, and just wear the Habs down, the Canadians, they're, they're not used to it because the Penguins, they just let the Canadians walk all over them. They didn't hit. They didn't outperform them. They didn't out-hustle them. They didn't get to the dirty areas that the Penguins needed to. The Canadians did all of that, hence why they're in the playoffs against the Flyers. But for the Flyers, they need to keep this up. If they do what they did in Game 3, they'll win the series, maybe even in 5. They need to do that, though. But transitioning over your point, though, Mike, I was thinking about this earlier. Game 4, of course, is tomorrow afternoon, 3 p.m. This time I am starting Carter Hart if they win. Game five, I'm starting Brian Elliott. Rest Carter Hart, give Brian Elliott a chance to get loose, stay active and everything, stay, um, you know, just, again, just stay loose. And if they lose, you've got nothing to lose because you're up 3-1. You go to game six. Who cares? you got Carter Hart. He's well-rested. Do what the Hurricanes did against the Rangers. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so so quick, that, that's what I'm thinking. Before we get off here, Jeff, let's do our quick predictions for yes. tomorrow afternoon's game. All right. I'm saying it's going to be a 3-1 Flyers win. The lone goal for the hur- – the, not Hurricanes. Uh, <laughs> the Canadians will be Thomas Tartar. Um, Tartar. And I think Giroux finally going to get, get on the uh, goal sheet. He's going to score mm-hmm. a power play goal. Uh, and I'm going to put – get a – TK on the board, and let's give uh, Tyler Pitlick the empty net to seal it. Okay. Um, see, th- this is a tough one for me. I'm actually again, Carter Hart is m- more than likely starting. I'm good with that. Um, I'm gonna say three two Flyers. I really am confident. Again, the Flyers are truly, un- and I'm not just saying that because you know we're Flyers fans. We want them to win. We know we have a feeling they're gonna win. But, you know, it, it's not going to come easy. 
if the Flyers play how they did it in game three, combine it with game one's efforts, uh, obviously get more pucks on net, um, you know, get more you know, bodies in front, Maybe they're going to be just fine. Time. It, exactly. No, five no, no, or so five at you, least. Yeah, you can't turn the puck over so much. You can't just, oh, get the puck, flip it in, and, and dump yeah. a chase. It's not working. You need a, a smarter approach and everything. Um, but I will say three, two flyers. I'm going to have one. I'm going to have Sean Couture score. He, he needs to get going here. Um, depth guys, like if he plays Nicholas Albe Kubel, I could see scoring. And then third goal, I want Hollywood Hayes to get that goal. Um, I'm going to have Arteri Lekkonen for the Habs and also Jake Evans, actually. Uh, again, more depth for the uh, Canadians, guys who you might not think of as much. They're going to get on board from Montreal. Exactly, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that's my prediction for the Flyers. Uh, they're going to have a 3-1 series lead mm-hmm. and go to Game 5 with Brian Elliott, hopefully shutting down the door against the Montreal Canadiens to succeed and to secure a Flyers playoff series victory for the first time since 2012. That would be great if that could happen. That would we'll be. We'll see. But this is why we play the game. we got to wait and see. Game four tomorrow afternoon, 3 p.m., Flyers-Canadians. I'm predicting Flyers 1-3-2. Mike, and your prediction was? 3-1. 3-1. Uh, very similar scores. Really both 2 the Flyers but with an win. empty net. Empty net, of course. Uh, very similar scores, but the result is the same. We are predicting the Flyers take game four and will take a 3-1 series lead in round one of the, on the series. Stanley Cup playoffs. And with that, that's where we're going to end it today. I'm sure we'll see you back tomorrow with another roundtable of series. So hopefully Babs is back on there. But That'll be good, that, and, we'll, and uh, we'll see you then. Yeah.